Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Hello and welcome into the Jeff Andreas Show here on Thursday, March the 19th. And thank you so much for tuning in here with me today. On today's show, I will be speaking with the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives to get a response to yesterday's announcement regarding financial aid for Canadians during the novel coronavirus pandemic. The federal government announced $82 billion in support to help the Canadian economy weather the storm being caused by COVID-19. Among other things, that money will help cover wages, childcare costs, new EI benefit programs as well. But Prime Minister Justin Trudeau does go on to say that more help is still possible. Economic measures will ensure that our economy rebounds after this. And while we are taking a significant step today to help families get through these challenging times, our government is prepared to do more. That money was announced as Trudeau shut down the border to all but essential traffic, meaning tourists and recreational trips will, of course, now be banned. That's old news, right? right? Now, when it comes to that financial aid, Finance Minister Bill Morneau says $27 billion in direct support to Canadian workers is designed to encourage people to stay home to stop the spread of COVID-19 and not worry about their finances. That's a nice gesture, right? Morneau says one program being rolled out will back up those who do not have employment insurance. We'll be introducing a new benefit, the emergency support benefit, for which we've set aside $5 billion. More details will come in the near future, but you can rest assured that the federal government will provide you with 14 weeks of support at a comparable level to the employment insurance program. Morneau says the future fallout of COVID-19 is impossible to know right now. Duh. He says, however, the financial aid package being introduced yesterday is a matter of saving lives and also ensuring the economy can rebound. And the Bank of Canada, their governor, Stephen Pelos, went on to say that $82 billion package will help ease the financial pressures. Right, of course, echoing the statements here just made by Morneau. Pelos goes on to say that Canada entered the current uncertainty in a strong position with low unemployment and inflation and a banking system that is functioning well. All those things uh, make a really big difference to how we will recover afterwards. So I think we can certainly uh, look forward to a robust recovery when when the trouble is behind us. Pelosi says the Bank of Canada has made many moves in recent days to do its part to help stabilize the economy and he remains in constant touch with other financial leaders to keep assessing what else might be necessary. Doesn't this all sound great? It does. And I don't want to demean any work that people are doing because we're all just trying to get through this together. But there's a reality to this whole situation, right? The problem is, with so many people being asked to self-isolate now, right right now, and then more people and more people are eventually going to be asked to self-isolate, how long is that money really going to last? How long is this situation going to last? Now, Canada has more than 37 million people in it, right? Take $82 billion, divide it by 37 million, and each person is getting what? A little more than $2,200. Now, you can go on to tell me, you know, you could take away those under 18. They're not going to get any of that money because it's going to go to the parents who support them. You can take away those who are in a higher tax bracket. They won't get those same supports. And then what? You can double that? So, what, $4,500 a person? I mean, as long as people have to continue to pay rent or a mortgage, buy groceries, car insurance, cable and internet bills, hydro, water, whatever else you have to put your money towards, it's just those dollars aren't going to last very long. I'm sure there are more details and more caveats about how that money is allowed to be spent and, and that, that is slowly going to trickle out. And, I, you know, I don't want to demean the work that is being done because, like I said, we're all just trying to get through this together. 
But these numbers are just, you know, we're all, a lot of people out here are worried about what's going to happen, you know, when I have to stay home for the next two, three, four weeks. And, you know, I can't necessarily collect a paycheck or I might get laid off from my job because of the, the fact that the economy is at a standstill as a result of COVID-19. We'll have to deal with it, I guess, as things come. But just the realities of those numbers is somewhat eye-opening, right? Here in B.C., specifically in British Columbia, the business community did announce the creation of a group to address significant economic impacts of the novel coronavirus. You know, the COVID-19 Cabinet Group, as it's called, represents business, labor, and employees and aims to work with the provincial government to create policies and support programs. And a broad spectrum of industries is involved, which includes the BC Chamber, the Greater Vancouver Board of Trade, and Council of Forest Industries. So there's some big players at that table who are going to help hopefully find ways to support he, us here in British Columbia and you out there listening to this program here today. Um, obviously, the, the, the BC program will look a little bit different from the federal go- government's program. Hopefully, we can combine the BC programs with the federal government programs to be able to, you know, increase the number of dollars that is available to individuals. We'll see how that kind of rolls out. But, uh, you know, it's clearly steps are being taken to try and address this. Um, You know, we, we, we are a little bit behind, which I think is a good advantage for us right now, right? Canada has been somewhat removed when talking geographically to where this whole thing has begun, right? It started in China. That's that's half a world away. Then we're looking at the uh, the, the spread through Europe, right, which is a very densely populated region. Um, you know, it's easy to get across borders, so it's easier for the spread to happen there. And we can use those as examples of what is going to happen here. We can watch the, ta- tra- the, the tracker and look at Italy specifically and what's happening there and and sort of adjust as we go accordingly. So we have an advantage, I think, in that regard. But one thing that we don't have an advantage about, and this is thankfully finally closing the borders yesterday, is what's happening in the United States. That's my biggest fear, is they're not uh, necessarily as equipped to handle the situation as we are up here. And, um, you know, they're, they're going to have a much bigger spread. And with the bigger spread in the United States is going to come a spread to Canada. That's just typically the way things work. Now, of course, we closed the borders yesterday to all non-essential travel. Um, a move that I applaud, but at the same time wonder if it might be a little bit too late. We'll find out. We, that's all we can do now is, is look ahead and, and find out. And we can't really look back and, and, and complain about what happened. Not yet. That's what we do later. That's what we do once we are getting through this whole situation is take a look back and, and use that 2020 hindsight that we hopefully will have and be able to address the problems that we saw that sprung up that we weren't prepared for. We can solve those in the future, but right now we have to deal with these bullets as they are shot our way. Now, going back to this new BC uh, cabinet, uh, business cabinet, Now, going back to the COVID-19 cabinet group, as it was called, Laura Jones, who is the executive vice president of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, says small business owners are among those needing support to get through the challenging times. It's a positive that these types of groups are being created. It's a positive that difficult conversations are being had, and she will just wait and see where things go. So at the tail end of today's show, I'm going to be joined by Alex Hemingway, who is an economist and public policy analyst at the Canadian Center for Policy Alternatives and their British Columbia office so we'll break down a little bit more about those financial supports what's going to be available and you know just how he feels in terms of um, you know how useful it is actually going to be for individuals who are struggling during this difficult time 
Coming up next, my next segment is going to be uh, with the marketing director out at Sun Peaks. Now, we saw recently the closures of places like Whistler and Revelstoke, and you know here we saw Harper Mountain first, and as of yesterday, Sun Peaks as well. They closed at the end of day yesterday. I do wonder, though, when looking at that announcement, was that quick enough? I mean, when Whistler shuts down on the weekend and our local ski hill stays open an extra three, four days, I'll just leave it there. I won't say anything more, but... You can kind of feel where my head is at, I think, when it comes to that situation. We all need businesses to operate. I get that. And we all need to see the flow of dollars through our economy. Don't think that I don't understand that. But the quicker we nip this in the bud, the quicker we can get back to normal. But the more we lag, the more we put off those difficult decisions, the more we allow stupid college kids to go party in Florida for spring break, the longer this thing is going to take. If I get corona, I get corona. At the end of the day, I'm not going to let it stop me from partying. This outbreak is just going to get bigger and bigger, and that means it's going to take longer and longer for the economy to recover. So that, my, that being said, my message is just to be smart. Um, and if you don't think this is serious, well, I don't know what else to say. I mean, I'm sure anyone listening to me here is taking it seriously, but if you know someone who still is not convinced, well, it might be time to give their head a shake for them because they are clearly not willing to do it themselves. So I kind of got off track here a little bit, but I will be chatting about Sun Peaks and how the under-16 Alpine Championships went last week. Try to, you know, have a little bit of focus on something not COVID-19 related. So I'll ask Aiden Kelly a little bit about that um, and also how disappointing it is, of course, to close up shop early. And if there is any any worry about taking those few extra days to make the decision to shut down if there is any concerns about what that could mean um, you know for those who did attend Sun Peaks over the last little while and then at around the 35 minute mark of the show today I will be chatting up with Radio NL's John Keane yes our sports guy here at CHNL sports are pretty much shut down of course right no hockey no basketball uh, baseball's on delay the Western Hockey League announced yesterday that it has canceled the rest of its regular season. I'm really hoping that there can be a playoffs to watch. I mean, this Blazer team here has been so fun to rally behind all season long, and it would be a real shame if we didn't get to see a long playoff run from the boys. But they were, of course, sent home here. And uh, when we look at the NHL and the, play the, the proposal that is being made for the playoffs by the NHL Players Association... I mean, it doesn't sound like anyone is, is overly optimistic right now about what's going to happen in the sporting world. NHL players have proposed finishing the current season in late July, having the playoffs in August and September, and then awarding the Stanley Cup in the fall. Then they want to have the draft and free agency in October and then try to begin the 2020-2021 season in November. Not sure about that one, but... When the big boys are talking about those sorts of scenarios, it does not bode well for junior hockey. And of course, that being said, there was a Memorial Cup that was set to take place just down the road here in Kelowna. And I'm sure many of us here were planning on taking a quick road trip down to go see that great event. Uh, you know, the top junior hockey players in the world. The hardest trophy, I think, in sports to win, or at least in hockey, in my opinion. You can say it's the Stanley Cup, but only in the Memorial Cup do you have to win, uh, you know, your own league and win another tournament on top of that. So, my opinion, the toughest trophy to win in hockey, and we're not going to probably get to see it this year. Um, I mean, I don't want to totally write it off as an impossibility, but I think it's looking pretty improbable at this stage of the game. But John Keane will come on, and maybe he'll try to convince me otherwise that I'm being a little too pessimistic, and uh, we'll go from there. But we'll see where things go. John will join me at around the 35-minute mark of today's show. Coming up next, though, I'm going to be talking more about Ski Hills, about Sun Peaks, what's going on there. Marketing director there, Aiden Kelly, will join me next, so stay tuned. More 
Jeff Andrea shows coming up after this. You're listening to Jeff Andreas on Radio NL 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Oh, welcome back to the Jeff Andreas Show here on Thursday the 19th. Thanks for being with me here. Of course, there was a few weeks left here in the ski season, but with COVID-19 wreaking havoc on life as we know it, things are closing up a little bit early here at Sun Peaks, with uh, yesterday being the final day of mountain operations. I'm joined on the phone now by Sun Peaks Marketing Director, Aiden Kelly. Aiden, thanks so much for joining me here. Yeah, great to be here. Um, so let me just kind of get a, a quick picture from you of, of how things are looking right now. How has this last, you know, four or five days been in terms of, you know, just number of guests and, and now that you're, you know, officially really closed for the season here, um, you know, what does today look like? Yeah, well, I mean, it's been an unprecedented week. Um, obviously for us, lots of, uh, lots of long days. I'm, I'm not quite sure what, uh, what day or time of the day. And I don't know if it really matters anymore with, uh, with everything that's been going on. And, uh, just navigating through those waters has been really, really challenging to, to try and, uh, you know, make all the best decisions and do the right things for all different sides of the equation. There's, uh, there's so many things to consider here. So, um, it, it definitely had a, a big impact, obviously, on our business in the short term. All of our major events and everything like that were canceled on very short notice. And then we were, we were when all this started, you know, really ramping up, we were just on the brink of heading into uh, one of our busiest stretches of the year with, uh, with spring break, right? So making all those necessary adjustments and, and winding down the operations in an orderly fashion was, uh, was definitely quite the challenge. Um, I think everyone got through it um, quite well under un, under the circumstances, and uh, you know who knows what all the right decisions were. I don't know that anyone in the world knows what the right decisions are. Everyone's just trying to make the least wrong decision. Mm-hmm. I think is is sort of what's happening. And uh, and then today, um, you know, we've got uh, a number of people obviously leaving the resort, and then uh, and then we've got a fair amount of work to do in terms of winding down. Um, the mountain, all the all the safety protocols on the mountain, and then and, and the chairlifts, and um, all of those kind of servicing type needs that uh, that have to be taken care of now. So it's definitely it's definitely very strange because this is um, one of the best spring snowpacks that we've ever had, and some of the best skiing conditions in the spring that we've ever had. Like the people that were here the last few days um, of, of the resort operations, they they were just shaking their head at how crazy this is because they said that they'd had two of the best ski days of their entire lives and then the doors are being shut you know mm-hmm. um so this is just unprecedented times for uh for you know us a in the ski business b everyone in the tourism industry right now but then c just uh just you know humankind um, all around the globe this is nuts yeah very nuts it's uh, it's an easy easy phrase to use these days that's for sure um can you take me through a little bit in terms of the timeline of the decision making process here just because you know on friday we had heard from the bc's top doctor dr bonnie henry's basically saying you know go out enjoy the outdoors you can go skiing go hit up whistler whatever the case may be and the next day like within about 24 hours we saw whistler closing up um and then you know other ski hills started kind of to follow suit you know just what was that decision process like on friday i'm, I'm assuming sun peaks was sitting there saying oh we're good the, the doctor here in bc is telling everyone to come and, and enjoy the outdoors and then uh you know not not really even two days later we're seeing ski kills close up so can you take me through that timeline in terms of that decision 
Yeah, super interesting timeline that was changing by the hour and a little bit of a roller coaster ride. So yeah, like you said, Friday everyone was feeling pretty good about spring break. Um, we'd, we'd still taken um, the precautions of cancelling um, all major events that so would have like large gatherings of people in one place and um, all those types of things. So all those were, no matter no matter what people were saying out there, everyone was cancelling the events and there's a, there's a whole bunch of different reasons for that. But we thought that if we put good restrictions in and we were careful about what we do, then everyone was being encouraged to do things like go skiing and, and recreate outdoors. So that was Friday. Then Saturday, um, everything was going pretty smooth, actually, and uh, and maybe it was my fault because I said to a couple of my staff um, here, I said, you know what, I'm actually, it was about 3 o'clock, and I said, I'm actually going to pack up my stuff and go home because I've been on 18-hour days, and I'm just, I'm, I'm just white. And then within 10 minutes, the announcement came out that Whistler was closing down, and then the entire ski industry went into a bit of a tailspin from, from there. And the rationale behind that was uh, nothing to do with the situation in British Columbia. It's, it's Whistler Blackcomb's owned by a large mm-hmm. um, U.S. company, Vail Resorts, and they had to make a decision um, based on what was going on south of the border because they're in a bit of a different situation than we are here in B.C. right now. And then Whistler was caught up in that. Then there were a couple of other um, ski resorts in B.C. that are under the same um, type of conglomerate U.S. ownership groups, and they got caught up in those decisions, and they were closing down um, as well. So that was uh, that was coming through on Sunday. Um, and then on Monday, um, you know, after the weekend, then the tone just changed a lot on a provincial and national scale. And then that's when all of the non-U.S.-owned resorts started taking a look at, like, okay, this isn't this isn't working too well. And just the sheer logistics of trying to run your operation and put all the protocols in place while keeping everyone safe at the same time, it was just becoming way too challenging. So you started to see all the other resorts um, closing, and then we made that decision on, on, on Monday as well. But because we're a destination resort and we had so many people here in resort, and we were just worried about the chaos that that kind of creates. And then are you sort of making the situation worse by doing that when you're mm-hmm. actually trying to help? So then we decided that we'd do it on kind of like a gradual shutdown over a couple of days that took us through yesterday afternoon. Um, and that seemed to work relatively well. Again, what was the right decision? What was the wrong decision? You know, nobody knows under these circumstances, but we were talking about it on an hour-by-hour basis, and it was changing so, so quickly um, that trying to keep up with, uh, with all the developments was really difficult. Uh, Aiden, we're out of time here, but in 20 seconds, I just wanted to ask you about something non-COVID related. The under-16 Alpine Canadian Championships went off last week. Uh, How did they go? Well, they went really, really well. They got cancelled kind of in the, in the middle of it due to this situation, yeah. but um, I think we're going to have events like that back again because all the skiers from across the country said it was one of the best events they've ever attended, so uh, we'll see more of that stuff in the future. Right on. Well, thanks so much for doing this, Aiden. Really appreciate you taking the time, and uh, maybe you can uh, soon get a little bit more rest And now that you're not on those 18-hour days, or hopefully soon won't be anyway. Thanks so much. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Thanks a lot. <laughs> awesome. That was the marketing director out at Sun Peaks Resort, Aiden Kelly. Well, I'm going to take a quick break here, and I'll be back back with John Keane, so uh, stick around. More Andreas Show coming up soon. Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Welcome back to the Jeff Andreas Show. Thanks so much for tuning in here with me on Thursday. Of course, everyone's just talking about COVID-19, the novel coronavirus, and, you know, I wanted to do whatever I could to talk about something else here today, and 
you know, the sports world is obviously pretty much on hold right now, but there's still some things that are happening. And uh, I brought in NL's sports guy, John Keane, to talk a little bit more about that. John, how you doing? Yeah, nice reprieve. I, I don't think we'll be able to get away from, from the coronavirus uh, because, as you mentioned, it's really taken over everything. But, you know, we, we'll try our best anyways. Well, let's start with uh, the news from the WHL here from yesterday. Canceling the rest of the regular season. Not a big surprise here. Um, you know, it doesn't really have much of an impact here on our Blazers, thankfully, since they had already clinched the division title. But uh, still a bit disappointing that people won't get to, you know, go down to Sandman and watch a few games here. Yeah, three three games uh, canceled. And the one thing that I thought about right away was, okay, who was chasing personal milestones and records? And, and there was a handful of, of players Uh First and foremost, Logan Stankoven. Mm -hmm. Actually, we'll go down. He'll finish his 16-year-old season with 29 goals, ties him with Robbie Brown uh, back in the 84-85 season at 29. If you look at the games played, Stankoven will finish with 59. Rob Brown played 60 that year. Okay, so he's a little bit better in that goal per game. <laughs> yes, so you yeah, can take a little sure. solace in that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, disappointing for sure that uh, you know they're not going to get to do that. You know, there was a couple of guys, Zary and Franklin, who were getting close to that 100-point mark mm -hmm. as well. So disappointing for those guys. Hopefully, though, I mean, we are still going to see a playoff. It's really up in the air, I guess, at this point in time. Um, I mean, would you even anticipate there being a playoffs at this point in time? I don't want to put you on the spot, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a difficult thing to predict right now. Well, you know, I, I think they're trying to remain optimistic here, and I think there might be a little bit more optimism among the Board of Governors than myself and maybe some of these folks like us ourselves that have really consumed so much mm -hmm. news and we're really plugged into world events and what's been going on and what we can anticipate here. So uh, that was one of my questions to uh, Blazer President uh, Don Moores, is how much optimism is there? And he said yes. There's a, a table-pounding amount of optimism that they will play hockey at some point here this season. So uh, until we until we can't rule it out, we have to you know hopefully think the same way. Yeah, and then we're seeing you know some news out of the NHL. I know the NHLPA just put forward a proposal uh, here earlier this week talking about what the potential you know rest of this season could look like. They really do obviously want to salvage it. They want to have a, a Stanley Cup winner. Uh, NHLPA talking about resuming the regular season at the tail end of August and going into September and having basically the Stanley Cup awarded in October, November, and that's something that obviously I don't think would be plausible for the CHL to be doing. Well, the one thing here you have to remember about the CHL is that it's linked to the United States. It's a North American league, right? Where it's trending that, you know, BC might make out better than, let's say, Washington State. Uh, but remember the conference here, the Western Conference, mm -hmm. five teams in the U.S., four based in Washington, one in Oregon. And you're all connected, right? So if things are bad there, it's like the weakest link in the chain. That's, that's the one that's going to break. And I think you're looking at, you know, some of those American markets right now. Yeah, we'll, we'll just kind of have to wait and see what happens when it comes to the Western Hockey League and, and uh, the, the Canadian Hockey League as a whole. You know, I'm sure Kelowna would obviously be the most disappointed. They're, they're sitting there waiting for a Memorial Cup. And, you know, whether you're a Rockets fan or not, I mean, that's a, a nice little quick drive down the road to see some high-quality hockey that we're not at least, you know, we can't predict when, yeah. when we will be seeing that. Um, you know, just as a, obviously a big hockey guy, um, how would you feel if the Stanley Cup were to be awarded in, in the fall? I mean, could you even envision something like that? Bizarro world, wouldn't it be? I yeah. mean, you're just starting to ramp up uh, kind of hockey excitement at that time. Maybe it hasn't quite, you know, captured you uh, in October, but uh, that would be awfully weird. And, and then you push the next season back. Do you have an off season? Do you go from Stanley Cup 
to game one of the regular season. It's it's just crazy to think about that here. It's it's things that we've never had to think about. Uh, this is out of the realm of, of your imagination here just a couple weeks ago. Um, the one thing that, you know, I think has the potential to kind of go off as normal would be the National Football League. I mean, the Canadian Football League is obviously being pushed back here as we speak, but when it comes to the NFL, I mean, there's a lot of free agency moves happening. We just saw Tom Brady go to, oh. to Tampa Bay. Um <laughs> I got to ask your reaction to that. A 43-year-old guy changing teams for the first time, six-time Super Bowl champ, um, moving to Tampa Bay. It's gonna look, it's gonna look weird. Wow, I, that was just a earth. Uh, foundation-shaking uh, move, wasn't it? I think we all expected him to kind of play the free agent game and and maybe you know get some interest here and there, but really not leave Bill Belichick and the Patriots. And I think it was such a uh, a massive move that's uh, really kind of created a domino effect amongst quarterbacks in the NFL. And, and will they start on time? I, I think they hope so. I think everybody hopes so uh, because remember that's a, a late summer. Uh, fall league, and they just ratified a, a new agreement to go to 17 regular yep. season games, something that we'd see new uh, next year. And, uh, and and let's hope. I mean, tough to predict where we'll go. Let's just hope that uh, you know the NFL isn't taken away on the uh, big sports fans. Yeah, I mean, that's the one league I can kind of look at. And even if they were to go ahead without fans, I could kind of see the league still going forward with empty stadium games, especially when you look at, you know, the gambling revenue and the fantasy football implications. And, you know, they're, people are going to be locked in. If, if it's the only thing oh. that's going to, I mean, it, the ratings are already probably the best in sports, and this will just take it to a whole nother level. Um, so, yeah, that's my hope is the NFL of all sports is going to go off without a hitch. Uh, baseball, of course, too, is, is being pushed back, and that's uh, kind of a day-by-day situation. I, I, I'm not a big, big baseball guy, yeah. but one thing that I think, uh, you know, I try to look at this as a positive is if, is if the regular season were to be reduced in games a little bit, I might have a little more interest in yeah. the in the MLB on a game by game basis, right? Because 162 mm-hmm. each game almost feels meaningless in the grand scheme until you get to late August and September. But this would this would make me a, a little bit more intrigued about what's going on. Yeah, that's a great that's a great point. And and you know with with baseball, uh, baseball's back on the rise in Canada too. You know the Blue Jays, their resurgent there a few years ago mm-hmm. has really you know lifted. Uh, you know they say what uh, uh, a, t- a rising tide lifts all boats. Uh, Countless Minor Baseball just announced the cancellation of their spring season. Right. They were on pace to have a record number of participants this year, over 700. Uh, so that's a blow uh, to their spring season here. Uh, but you're right, though, 162 games. We were kind of talking a little bit about this off-air, about how teams almost take games for granted. Let's say they won the first two of a series, mm-hmm. right? and it's a three-game set. Usually we see it, one team is just trying to get out of town, they're happy with you know, two out of three. Yeah. Well, now, you know, maybe you do uh, maybe have your matchups a bit different or, you know, look to maybe not give your star players the day off, you know, looking for that series sweep. Yeah, I mean, uh, we could make a huge difference. We always talk about in this new culture of Kawhi Leonard, the whole, uh, uh, what was it, uh, rest days that they had incorporated, the uh, load, load, load management. management. Yeah. So yeah. we might see less of that, which <laughs> would be a good thing for everybody who's into sports. Um We'll we'll talk golf here too because uh, you know local golf courses are starting to open up and uh, I can't remember the the one golf course we were talking about here who's making some some social distancing changes. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, Camelot Golf and Country Club uh, there and and this is not only them but it's it's courses uh, across BC now. Um, they're still hoping to give you a little bit of what we're used to in the sports world, right? And that's golf and that's time. There may be a chance to kind of get away from what we're facing here and so some of these social distancing. Uh, guidelines, and I, I like them. Um, leave the flag in, which mm-hmm. is which is the way I play, anyways. <laughs> uh, 
also uh, no no rakes in bunkers. So if your ball goes in the bunker, you know if your lie even if your lie's not that good, use your foot, kind of foot wedge it around, and when you're done your shot in the bunker, just use your foot to kind of smooth it over here. I call it the 7 p.m. rule when you're the last group <laughs> yeah, of the day. Yeah. Uh, there's lots of things, too, going on. They're talking about maybe putting suction cups in the back of putters uh, that you can put on your putter, reach down, pop the ball up, kind of like you're 70 years old playing golf. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's some great stuff here, really. Some awesome things. And the one thing that you didn't highlight there that I liked was the raising of the cup potentially out of the green itself, so you yeah. can just hammer that thing right into the plastic. I mean... You don't even have to worry about the break in the green anymore. Just ram those five-footers, right? Just that's, smash that's for them. sure yeah. the plan. I, I, I know that uh, KGCC hasn't done that yet, uh, but they have talked about that. Maybe that's something that they look to do here. Well, that might take a few strokes off my game if they do, so hopefully <laughs> yeah. they go forward. Well, John, uh, thanks for providing a, a little bit of uh, relief here from COVID for a few minutes here, but uh, I'll get back into it in the next segment. But thanks yeah. so much. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me. That was Radio NL sportsman John Keane, and of course he's also the voice of your Kamloops Blazers. Hopefully sometime in the in the future we will get to hear those games again here on Radio NL. I know there's some uh, some talk about maybe playing some some retro games, if you will. So maybe we'll have some uh, some pretend action that we can listen to and pretend it's going on live. It's uh, it's kind of that the the world we live in right now. I know you know sometimes in the in the dog days of summer when we're looking at sports and and what's on TV, we're seeing a lot of those you know classic games being shown, classic Super Bowls, classic Stanley Cup playoff matchups, things along those lines. Um, you know, it's pretty much just the world we live in now. We have to watch those old games and pretend we don't know the outcome, and then maybe we can get into them a little bit more. That's just the sports world we are in right now. Uh, yeah, so hopefully we'll. We'll see things get back to normal at some point, but uh, I think we are uh, at least minimum a month away from that happening. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. That's all I can do is hope at this point. Coming up next, the federal and provincial governments have both made some announcements regarding economic relief due to the COVID-19 outbreak and further economic issues that are resulting from the pandemic at this time. Uh, we'll be joined by Alex Hemingway after the break. He is an economist at the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives, BC office. So he will join me next. So stick around. More Jeff Andrea show is coming up after this. The voice of your community, Radio NL 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Here's Jeff Andreas. Welcome back to the Jeff Andreas Show, and thank you so much for tuning in here on Thursday. The federal government announced yesterday an $82 billion relief fund to help Canadians who are feeling the effects of COVID-19. And BC has also introduced some supports as well. BC Hydro introducing a COVID-19 customer assistance program to defer bill payments or arrange for flexible payment plans with no penalty. Canada's six largest banks are allowing mortgage payment deferrals for up to six months for those affected by the economic consequences of COVID-19. Uh, ICBC currently allowing one monthly deferral request per policy term. We'll see if that changes and and maybe it gets extended. Many gyms and other monthly services are offering membership freezes or refunds in the facilities if they are closed, which is probably extra good news for those who are uh, motivated one day in January but haven't gone to the gym since. Um, so, yeah, there's some economic relief out there or uh, financial relief, if you will, for some individuals. Here now to talk a little bit more about it is economist and public policy analyst at the BC office of the Sen Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives, Alex Hemingway. Alex, thanks so much for coming back on the show here. 
Good morning. Thanks for having me. So, I mean, first of all, as an economist yourself, I mean, there's really nothing like this that we have seen uh, in any time in recent history or maybe even really in history, period. Um, you know, just how have you been looking at this situation? I mean, is this just a completely new and, and uncharted territory for you right now? I mean, in, in, in some ways it is uh, uncharted territory. And I think, you know, the emergency situation, uh, and I think many people have been saying this, highlights how we're actually all in this together, you know, and how fundamentally dependent we are on one another in our society and, and in our economy. Uh, so, you know, it's been encouraging to see governments uh, begin to move uh, quite quickly. You know, it can be difficult to turn uh, uh, an institution like that uh, on a dime in the best of times, let alone, uh, you know, when we're uh, in an emergency situation, there's huge disruption. Uh, government staff are also needing to do social distancing. So it is it is good to see, uh, in particular, the big uh, uh, federal package uh, of responses uh, we saw announced uh, yesterday as a first step and, and some of those uh, BC measures that we're beginning to see that you mentioned. And, and I suspect we'll uh, be seeing a package from the BC government in the in the coming days. Yeah, I, I'm assuming we'll see that here, if not by the end of this week, early next week. Um, we'll, but we'll just kind of keep our ears tuned uh, to that as well. Um, in terms of that $82 billion announcement yesterday, I mean, it sounds like a big, great number. And, and you know, I'm, I don't want to negate anything that the government is doing to help us. But when you kind of break it down on like a per Canadian basis, you know, it's not it's not really a ton of money. So I just want to kind of get your 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 thoughts and, and opinions just on the $82 billion figure itself and how it is going to help people. Because like I said, if you break it down to, you know, per Canadian, um, it's really not that much financial relief. Yeah, the, the core of the package, uh, which is essentially, uh, you know, so the, some of the biggest components are, are extending employment insurance. So uh, people who are unemployed are covered. This actually highlights, you know, huge gaps in our uh in that system that have existed up until now, you know, if you look at last year, the majority of people unemployed in BC actually didn't receive employment insurance. So now we're plugging those holes on an emergency basis. So extending sick leave under EI, extending it to cover uh, workers who, who may work irregular hours or work uh, in, in the gig economy. Uh, and and so the, the main sort of cash supports in, in the package add up to about $27 billion. And the, the rest of it is actually the deferral of taxes, uh, individual and corporate, though mainly corporate for six months. So really the core of the package is, is smaller than it sounds like it's a little more than one percent of GDP um, uh, it's it's an important first step and it, it it's it is impressive how quickly it's been rolled out but it has to be just the first step and the government has has sort of uh, signaled very strongly that it is one uh, we need to be looking at an overall response you know in the medium return uh, term here of more like the four to five percent of GDP so significantly larger than what we've seen and one of the reasons for that just to say quickly is you know uh, Folks, uh, extending that coverage of EI is so important, but the replacement rate for income under EI, as anyone who's been on it will know, is only 55% of what you're making before. So if you were scraping paycheck to paycheck, you're still going to be in, in tough shape. So uh, I, I hope we'll see an increase in that uh, 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 replacement rate very soon. Yeah, and then and then going back to kind of what the steps that are being taken here in BC a little bit, talking about you know some deferrals on mortgage payments and things along those lines. Um, you know, it is going to have hopefully those people who are on paycheck to paycheck. Hopefully, it will give them a little bit more flexibility. Uh, to, you know, to to not have to be forced to make those types of payments right away, and that'll have a, a huge chunk 
of, of those uh, financial reliefs, uh, you know, not have to go to, to something that's really not going to help keep you alive. I mean, a roof over your head clearly important, but if you can go uh, and buy food and, and water and those kinds of things, it's clearly more important. So just those steps that are being kind of initially taken here in British Columbia for individuals, and then, uh, like you said, hopefully we'll see a package announced from government. I mean, you know, is there some optimism, I guess, for people here, in your opinion, for those who are going to be stuck and, you know, especially for those who are getting laid off? I mean, hard to have any optimism right now, but, I mean, can, can you foresee some more optimism coming when the government does indeed come out with uh, whatever the British Columbia announcement will be? Yeah, I think, you know, there, there's a reason to be optimistic. Uh, our government leaders are saying the right things right now, and it is, and, and, and I know they're working very hard to get that package together here uh, in B.C. Both John Horgan and uh, here in B.C. and the federal government had essentially signaled that, you know, their job is to meet the needs of Canadians right now, and it's money is no object. And from an economic perspective, that's absolutely correct. It makes sense to spend whatever it takes to make sure people are, are taken care of in this time, and that's going to be better for us economically in the medium long term uh, as well. Uh, so, you know, I, I think a couple uh, of things in particular to look for in that provincial package, I think we're, we're going to see uh, urgent increases in the social assistance and disability rates in the province. And uh, I, I hope we'll also see increases in some of those uh, uh, tax credits that many households, uh, uh, essentially checks that households get uh, um, each year uh, in terms of the climate action rebate and the PST tax credit, the federal versions of that. You see the GST tax credit. We saw a boost to that from the federal government. I'm hoping we'll see something similar from the provincial government as well. Yeah, this is... Um it's just the start here, I think, Alex. I mean, uh, looking at kind of how the situation is unfolding elsewhere around the world, um, you know, we haven't appeared to have hit our peak yet here in Canada. I feel like we're actually quite a ways from it, and this situation is is really just starting, in my opinion, and, and uh, we'll kind of have to just watch and see how this plays out because we don't really know how things are going to look here in, uh, you know, let, a couple of weeks, let alone a month or two. So it's... Uh, Difficult times here, and um, you know, as, a, as an economist and policy analyst yourself, I'm, I'm sure it's uh, pretty difficult right now to predict what the future looks like. Well, and I think, you know, the good news is uh, I th people are feeling like we're all in it together here. Uh, we're an extremely wealthy and resourceful uh, society, and, and the crucial thing is we need to get uh, uh, cash into people's hands so that they can put food on their tables and keep a roof over their head, and we need to make sure that uh, the, the really vulnerable folks in our province who are already falling through the cracks are, are taken care of, uh, including you know folks who are experiencing uh, homelessness, and uh, uh, we just need to have all hands on deck uh, to put the resources uh, uh, on the table uh, to meet people's needs right now. Well, Alex, thank you so much for uh, taking the time and, and joining me for this conversation. It's an important one, and um, I'm, I'm sure we will have it again here in the not-too-distant future because this thing is uh, its really just a rolling target right now, and, and uh, we'll have to catch up to it at some point. But, uh, yeah, this is just the start, and I'm sure we're going to have this conversation again. So thanks so much for taking the time here today, and, and we'll look to catch up here in the future. Uh, thanks a lot, and, yeah, let's take care of us, ourselves and take care of each other. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. That is economist and public policy analyst at the BC office of the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives, Alex Hemingway. Well, that about wraps things up for me here today. I want to thank all my guests for joining me, and, of course, a big thank you to all of you for listening. And remember, whether you could join me for a short while or a long while, just know I enjoyed our time while it lasted. I'll be back here tomorrow at 9.